Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about Christmas. That seems a good I mean, that's really the law, isn't it, on Christmas Day? Can't really do anything else. And I want to uh, take a few moments to share with you some of the factors. And I'm not going to read it because I think you've seen enough nativity plays to probably know the story fairly well. Some of the factors concerning the way that God was at work for Mary and for Joe as they had this incredible ancient story. And maybe bring out a couple of things that maybe you hadn't thought about before that are particularly um, applicable to our lives. So when we think of when we think of Chris, um, um, Christmas, we may think of words like uh, presents, holiday, uh, family, food. Uh, if we're being particularly devout, we'll think of words like Jesus, celebration. Uh, uh, you know, glorious angels. But what about these words to sum up the first Christian? Here they come. The first, first, um, Christmas rather. What about these words? What about words like frustration? Confusion. Decision. Location. Opposition. And provision. And they all end in shun. That's why they pay me so much. Let's start, first of all, with frustration. Frustration. I wonder if you've ever thought about how God's will (coughs) outworks in your life and how sometimes you can feel like you are in the will of God, but you want to ask yourself this question, if I really am in the will of God, if I really am loved by God, if I really am serving God, why are there so many things of incredible frustration? Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but when Mary and Joseph arrived at Bethlehem, there was no room at the inn. Can you imagine that? Now, I want to show you something that maybe you haven't thought about before. Isaiah knew that Jesus was coming. Moses knew that Jesus was coming. King David knew that Jesus was coming. Abraham knew. Even Adam and Eve knew that Jesus was coming. But nobody, nobody had informed the Bethlehem Premier Inn. Have you ever thought about that? Been prophesying it for thousands of years. But when it actually came to having a door needing to be opened, it wasn't. Right? They showed up. There's no room at the inn. And I want to give you this Christmas present um, um, this morning. That there will be times in God's great plan for you that things will be frustrating. Now I say, well, well, this isn't very Christmassy. But let me tell you this, if you have been going through a period of frustration, this is the best Christmas present I can give you. To let you know 
that even when God is with you and even when you are perfect in the center of the will of God, I mean, for sure this story was the will of God, wasn't it? If anything in the Bible was the will of God, it was this. And yet, there was a closed door right at the the heart of the story. I know that because as a child we all fought over who was going to play the innkeeper. And to be able to come out and, do you know, you know the story, don't you? The famous story of the young lad who was playing the innkeeper. Uh, but he, but, but as a little lad, he was five years old and he deeply fancied the girl playing Mary. So when Joseph and Mary knock on the door in the, in the nativity play, Joseph said, have you got any room in the inn? And the innkeeper says, well, she can come in, but you can stay outside. Sometimes the will of God is incredibly, can have periods of frustration where you might think, but if God was with me, why is the door shut? Or if God was with me, why am I so ill? Or if God was with me, how come it's not so easy? But I want to encourage you today that here was a couple bang in the middle of the will of God, but they still had to overcome just the simple hassles of life. No room at the inn. Do you think Mary and Joseph looked at one another and said, well, if there's no room at the inn, we can't be in God's will then. Not at all. They found another way. And I want to encourage you to do the same. What about confusion? First one, frustration. What about confusion? Sometimes we can write, be right at the heart and the center of the will of God. But we can still have times where we're kind of confused and we have a bit of unbelief and a bit of doubt. Sometimes, let me share this with you, we're not actually doubting God, we're self-doubting. We're actually doubting ourselves that we've heard from God. Is it okay if I say that again? We're not doubting God. We're not doubting God's faithfulness. We're not doubting God's ability to speak. But we begin to doubt our ability to hear from him. Yes? Or to think, you know, did I really get this right? Well, now, can I say, by the way, sometimes a little bit of self-doubt might be quite good. Over, over 15 years of pastoring, I've had people sit with me and say, well, God's told me this. What do you think? And you want to say, well, who cares what I think? God's told you this. You want to know what I think? No, much better to say, well, I think this might be what God's saying to me. What do you think? Uh, How come Mary and Elizabeth went off together in the story? That's, That's what the Bible says. Mary went off and had time with Elizabeth. Why did they do that? To sit looking at baby clothes and looking at baby magazines and deciding on the names that had already been done by the angel. They weren't off to watch some sort of baby TV channel together. I believe they began to share with each other the things they felt God was saying to them. And it's good to get around people who can help you with your self-doubt. But even Mary and Joseph, even they began to doubt or, or had doubts about whether God was really in this nativity story. The angel says to Joseph these words. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why would he say that to him? Well, he said it to him because he was afraid to do it. 
He did doubt that it should happen. And we know the end of the story, but can you imagine, can you imagine your fiancé saying to you, I'm pregnant, who's the daddy? Well, God. Can you imagine that? That's a Jeremy Kyle episode all by itself. That would keep Graham busy for many a week. And so the angel says, don't be afraid to believe this. That means he was confused. Even the angel shows up to Mary in Luke's gospel and says, you're going to have a baby. And, uh, you know, it's an angel standing. It wasn't a guest speaker. It's an angel taller than this tree here. In fact, that's quite a small tree. <laughs> taller, you know, as tall as this room. And Mary says, well, how can this be? How can this be? You would think if an angel told you, you wouldn't have to ask questions like that. You'd just take it as read, okay, you're an angel, you're tall, you're glowing gold, you look like you're made of liquid fire, I'll take your word for it. But no, how can this be? Some of the plans God's got for you are so big, actually you ought to be asking the question, how can this be? But actually your God is so small in your mind that you haven't asked that question yet. Everyone understand what I'm saying? Actually, God's agenda is so big that if we really tapped into it, I promise you, we'd be asking this question, well, how's all this going to be? Well, the answer is always the same. The Holy Spirit, says the angel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. What about the word decision? Looked at frustration, looked at confusion. What about the word decision? Now, this is such a simple thing, but I I just want to make it really clear. You know the nativity. They go here, they go there, they do this, they do that. They travel around, the donkey, you know, etc. Have you ever stopped to consider, in the nativity, how many decisions are made? And by the way, here's one for the men. It's the man who makes most of them, if not all of them. And men, generally speaking, don't like making any decisions. Except what film are we going to watch this afternoon? But other than that, they don't like making, men generally don't like making any kind of decision. But in this story, Joseph makes a whole load of decisions. Now, now listen to me carefully here. We're talking about the will of God. We're talking about the will of God. Someone once said, what's the difference between a dream and a fantasy? Let me ask you that question here today. What's the difference between a dream and a fantasy? Well, a fantasy, generally speaking, is never, ever going to come true. Because it hasn't got any legs. It hasn't got any foundation. A fantasy is something so way out there, but it hasn't got legs. In other words... Where you have a dream that you put legs on, it can come true. Can I say this, that however you approach uh, the Word of God today, please don't approach the Word of God as though the will of God is fate. There's no such thing as fate. And I spent my uh, many years of my ministry encouraging people, get out of this thing about I've got a destiny to, 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 uh, to achieve. 
uh, although that's true. But think more, I've got some decisions that I need to make. Because without correct decisions, you don't arrive at the correct destiny. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. So he gets up from the dream, shaves, puts his clothes on, and he takes Mary home as his wife. Now, God didn't make him do that. He decided to marry her, right? He was advised, commanded, instructed, etc., etc. But he didn't wake up from the dream and suddenly he was at the altar. Duh, 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 duh. How did I get here? Like some sort of episode of Only Fools and Horses. How did he... Oh, what's happened here? Did I drink too much? Oh, here she comes. No, he decided to marry her, didn't he? Yes? And I want to encourage you. God's got an incredible plan for you. And there's uh, there's a great will of God for you. But it's not going to happen without you making the correct decisions. That's what's going to get you there. Can you say amen? That's what's going to get you to this plan. By, by courageously making decisions and then not looking back. And one of the wonderful things, and then, you know, through the story, let's go, I'm going to marry you. Right, that's one decision. Now let's go to Bethlehem. That's another decision. Oh, Herod's around, I've had a dream, we need to go to Egypt. That's another decision. Oh, and then they go back to Israel. That's another decision. And then they face trouble with Herod's son. So they go, uh, uh, you know, it's another place. That's another decision. Ending up back in Galilee. But all of these things were decisions. They weren't whisked there by supernatural powers. They had to go out, buy tickets and go. They made decisions. So I want to encourage you in the days that lie ahead. God's got a great plan, but it's going to involve making decisions. So I found in my pastoral ministry, I found that people don't want to make decisions. They want God to talk to them. And then after he's spoken to them, they want him to talk to them again. And again. And again. And then again. And maybe a little bit more. And then furthermore. Sometimes I want to prophesy over people, I've got a word for you. What's the word? Oh, hallelujah, I've been waiting for this. Here's the word of the Lord. Go and do what I told you to do years ago. Well, I, I need more confirmation about that. The, the, the nativity is full of decisions. Now, let me ask you, what's your life like? And what's my life like? You have to make decisions. And sometimes it's scary making decisions. It's scary selling your house. It's scary changing your job. It's scary, isn't it, sometimes? And once you've made that decision, here's the wonderful news. If you've made the wrong decision, I promise you, God is even more powerful than Tom Tom. He can tell you to turn around when possible. He can. He can recalibrate the new route if you make a mistake, as long as your heart is right. Number four, location. I don't know whether you thought about this, but boy, oh boy, in the nativity, there's loads and loads of traveling going on. 
Now, we're talking about the will of God here this morning. I believe it's the will of God for many people to do a whole load more traveling than they have done before. Uh, it's, it's funny, we, uh, I don't know what culture you're from, but in the British culture, quite a lot within the British culture, we don't really like traveling. Kind of like to stay where we are. There'll be a few exceptions to this. But I remember we had a guest speaker here once a few years ago, and he said, mate, he was from Australia, Mate, he said, I left a bag in the next town. It's not very good, is it? But it's the best you're getting. I left my bag in the next town. Can we go get it? I said, yeah, all right, let's go get it. The next town, the next town, Bishop Stortford. The next town. For me, that was a day out. Bishop Stortford, that's a day out. By the way, when we got there, I said, so where do you leave your bag? I left it with a pastor in his house. Oh, where? Oh, I don't know. And we drove around Bishop Stortford looking for a house that he vaguely remembered having a meal in. Well, amazingly, we found it. But he was from the Australian culture where they're just used to traveling. Every, let's just go. And you meet some people, don't you? And traveling miles and miles is just part of their DNA whatever culture they're from. And other people, they, they don't want to go down the road. Am I right? Some people, they'll travel anywhere. Oh, yeah, let's go. Five hours in the car, no problem. Other people don't want to go ten minutes in the car. Now, let me ask you this. I wonder what's in your DNA about traveling. But let me tell you this. In the nativity, in the will of God, it involves a lot of traveling. And I want to, uh, and, and, and I want to challenge you today, hear the word of the Lord today, that maybe your DNA, your cultural DNA bit of let's not go anywhere is not part of God's will for you. But actually there's a sense in which you might be called to do a lot more traveling than your DNA or your culture is permitting you to do. Everyone understand what I mean by that? They had to travel 80 miles on a donkey, everybody. 80 miles they journeyed from uh, Nazareth in the north to Bethlehem in the south on a donkey. And can I just remind you, ladies, the woman was pregnant. Pregnant on a donkey. <laughs> Little donkey, carry Mary on the dusty road. Great. And she was, you know, within a few hours, she gave birth to Jesus. She was really pregnant, right? Not just, oh, look at me, oh, I'm fat. She was really pregnant. The baby was coming. You might have been pushing while she was on the donkey. And then the wise men show up. 700-mile trip from Babylonia or Arabia, wherever they were from, nobody quite knows. But, you know, from the east. We don't mean, you know, we don't mean Arbery. We mean the east of the world. They came from the east. East. Most people believe 700 miles. And you look at the film, you know, they're all on camels. Oh, that's nice. No, it isn't. You go off for 700 miles on a camel. Go on, you do it. And go, oh, yeah, I'm wise. Yeah, I'm, I'm really wise. Traveling around the world on my camel. Where are you going? I don't know. 
We're following yonder star. Oh, how wise. And by the way, can I remind you, they had to go home at the end. Right? It's like going down the motorway the wrong way for every 10 miles. You go the wrong way. You know you've got to go back 10 miles. Traveling. Traveling. And traveling costs money. Da, da, da. When I was traveling around Brazil on a very short-term mission, I, I think I did, uh, I was there for t- uh, t- 21 days. I did 18 different cities in 21 days. Some of them as far apart as Berlin and Paris and, you know, London, you know, really far apart. Planes, trains, automobiles, actually mostly buses, mostly buses. But you know what happened? When I went to get my bus ticket, do you know what they did? They charged me every time. You felt like saying, don't you know who I am? I'm a missionary. I want to go for free. I'm afraid you can't go for free. Pay. All right. Sometimes the will of God involves traveling and traveling is a source of resistance to us either because we don't like it or because we've got to pay, pay for it. But in the will of God, you have to pay for it. Can you say amen? You have to pay for it. Don't, don't ask for a grant. Don't ask for a scholarship. Don't think, well, if God supplies, I'll go. What sort of logic is that? What sort of logic is that? Sometimes you have to sell something and go. Sometimes you have to pay for God's will to be done. And we know that Mary and Joseph didn't have a lot of money. In Luke 2, verse 22, 24, they come and have a baby dedication. And that baby dedication, they haven't got any money. They bring, uh, it shows, to use a modern expression, that they're on income support, if you like, because they present doves and pigeons, which are the lowest... Uh, you know, which is like the um, concessionary gift. It's the lowest form of offering you can give. Which means their income was very low. Very low. Love to have known what they did with the gold, but at that time they didn't have it. Can you just imagine them there looking for a room in Bethlehem? See, we see there was no room at the inn. But what we mean is there was no room at the travel lodge. There's plenty of room in the Bethlehem Hilton. But according to the money they had, they, they, they weren't able to get a room. Can you just imagine the, the three wise men showing up with the gold and guys going to them, I wish you'd been around a bit earlier with that gold. They maybe wouldn't have to be in this stable here. Now, they didn't have a lot of money. So provision is another one of my shouldn'ts today. I promise you, in the will of God, God will give you provision. But it might not be prosperity in the way that you think. The gold, frankincense, and myrrh might show up a bit later on. But in the initial steps, all you've got is the donkey. All you've got is the donkey. A little bit depressed because it's traveling 80 miles on the way to Bethlehem down a rocky road. Spent a whole lot of money just on antidepressants for the donkey just on that. We never hear of the donkey again. He appears on all our Christmas cards smiling in the stable, like, you know, winking at the camera. The poor guy was utterly depressed by the end of it. He never wanted to appear in the Bible again. But God will give provision. But, we, but in the sense of God giving provision means we have, we have to pay for it. 
Right? We have to pay for it. I want to encourage you to travel in the will of God, if that's what God calls you to do, but be prepared to pay for it. And finally here, they had opposition. We're thinking about God's vocation needing a location. And all that traveling, you've got to be in the right place. But even in the right place, you might find an enemy or two. You would have thought, would you not, that if you were in the grand, wonderful will of God, like Mary and Joseph, number one, you would have thought that there wouldn't be any frustration, but there was a hotel with nowhere to stay. Well, if God was really with me, there would have been a place. No, no, that's not how the Bible works. And that's not how our our lives work at all. You'd have thought if they were really in the will of God, they wouldn't have been confused and said, well, how is this going to happen? And being afraid. No, that's not how the will of God works. Sometimes in the will of God, we are confused. We do have self-doubt. It's not doubt towards God, but self-doubt. You'd have thought if you were in the will of God, then fate would have taken over. But no, they had to make decisions. And in order to get the vocation that they were supposed to flow into, they had to go to the right location, which involved having to spend money to go. And finally, you see, you'd have thought if you were in the will of God, then everyone would have welcomed you with open arms. Not at all. Enter nasty King Herod. Enter nasty King Herod. And then his son, Achaelus, just as bad as him, that caused the Christmas couple to have to flee to another country. Look, we're very used to watching that on Sky News now. That wicked rulers are so wicked that people have to flee to other countries to escape them. You'd have thought if you were in the will of God that you might have had some sort of angelic force field. You'd have thought if you were in the will of God that that wouldn't have happened. That people wouldn't be opposing you. Well, happy Christmas everyone. Because where there's a baby Jesus, there's also a Herod. Where there's, uh, where there's another level, there is another devil. Where there's God's plan, There's always opposition from some man or some woman. There's always some opposition that happens. And I want to encourage you. Some of you are flowing wonderfully in God's will at this time, but you're confused because people are opposing you. Well, don't be confused by that because that's all part of the story as well. And why does all this work? I'm finishing now, but why does all this work? How come people who were facing frustration, confusion, having to make decisions, needing to move to locations, spending all their provisions, facing oppositions. How come it all worked? How come, because you'd have thought this this story would have an unhappy ending. There's so much against them. And there was. There was so much against them. And in one sense, there's so much against you. And against me. But as the Apostle Paul said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Paul wasn't saying no one was against him. Lots of people were. You read the book of Romans and see that. 
But Paul's attitude was this. Yeah, there's these frustrations. Yes, I've got a, you know, I'm running out of money. Yes, my donkey has left me for another master. Yes, I'm having self-doubts. Yes, there are people who don't like me. Yes, I've got scars on my body because I'm a Christian. Today we have scars in our in our minds and hearts because we're Christians. People don't like us. Yes, there's all these troubles. But what was with Mary and Joseph that nobody else had? One word, Emmanuel. God with us. It's the same for you. That's why the opposition, well, who cares really? If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, there's frustrations. I've got self-doubt. Oh, there are some doors that have shut in my face. Oh, I'm, I, I'm going to have to travel. Oh, this is going to cost me money. Well, hallelujah. Emmanuel. Say it. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God is with us. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? So I want to encourage you as you go forward into, uh, into the new year. Do the will of God. With all the frustrations, with all the oppositions, with all the confusions, etc. And all the other words ending in shun that I just didn't have time to even bring today. Or indeed think about. Go for it. Fulfill the plan of God. Despite all these things. Why? Because, because of your great willpower? Not at all. Not at all but because of God's power. Because of Emmanuel with you. And that's what's going to make it all work. Can you say amen? Let's stand together. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye